Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 329, Talking Turkey with Dave Owens, and I am your co-host and the guy who slept in his own bed last night. And I'm your co-host. The guy that's going home, no matter what. <laughs> Your story's way more interesting than mine because I already know it. So yeah. I'm I'm just going to say this. I'm going to tell everyone that I was really kind of looking forward to this week's episode because, well, I was getting home a day later than Cameron. And I thought, yeah, Cameron's going to be stuck with the whole episode this week, editing everything. What a deal. What a deal. But instead, God had different plans. So Cameron, tell us why you are the man who's going to get home no matter what. Well, this trip to Utah has been a tale of two traveling experiences. (laughs) The the Andy experience was flew into Utah, no hitch, great time, flew back home. I mean, that was it. Other than one minor inconvenience at the airport, I would say, with the kid without a mask or whatever. But on the other hand, my wife and I, 
our flight got rerouted on the way there. Gave us a nice four-hour layover that we originally weren't supposed to have. But, you know, we thought we were complaining about that, and we thought that was bad. But wait, there was more. The flight back decided to be even worse. So today we had our fifth flight canceled due to weather. And we've been, we had a couple flights canceled in Salt Lake, and then we had, we got to Denver, and we've had three canceled since we got to Denver. And so last night, we finally decided we're never going to make it home by airplane, so we have a, a Nissan Altima, and we're driving home from Denver right now. We left at three this morning. Just to give you guys some perspective, Cameron and Audrey left Salt Lake City at about 10 a.m. Tuesday, or I should say left for Salt Lake City at about 10 a.m. Tuesday. Yeah. And <laughs> they, and we're actually late getting this week's show out. It's Friday morning, for those of you yeah. listening, and they still are not home. Yep, supposed to be home Tuesday at 7 o'clock, and we're hopefully going to be home now that it's Friday. With us driving 16 hours, we should be home by about 7 o'clock tonight. Yeah. So it's just been a pretty awful experience, but what can you say? You know, we booked this trip five months ago to Utah, had flights forever. It's not like it was something that we fell into, and weather just, you know, first giant snowstorm Tennessee's had and multiple decades of this magnitude happened to happen while we were out of state so yeah yeah well nothing nothing you can do about it we made the most of it one day in Denver and went snowmobiling which was very fun and outside of that though it's just been a struggle trying to get home (laughs) yeah it's stressful you know and that's the worst part of that whole experience that you guys are going through because I don't know about you guys I can't speak for you but I had a heck of a good time in Utah and then oh, yeah. you know to go from that to what you've experienced the past three days is really crappy yeah if you if you throw out the travel issues it's been you know it was a great trip it just was you know th- this won't overshadow the fun I had on the trip I'm not gonna let it but right now it just still kind of sucks I'll be very happy when I'm home but we did shed blood in Utah but I'm thinking we might wait and share our experience next week on the podcast. Let's do that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So the reason that we're going to do that is because we have a great interview for you guys today, and it's, well, one of America's favorite turkey hunters. We have Dave Owens on the show today, and we're just talking turkey. We have no one topic in particular that we're covering. We're just covering a bunch of different topics, and it's a great interview. It's, I'm not going to say very lengthy, but it's it's a good one. So yeah. we're going to go ahead and get into it, but I've got to brag a little bit for a second before we jump into that. Oh, let's hear it. We are 29 days, 22 hours, 7 minutes and 52 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. Us folks in Tennessee are going to have to wait 42 days, 21 hours, 45 minutes, and 48 seconds to crank things up a little bit north of you. But to shock our listeners that have been listening for a long time to no end, I'm going to be in Alabama for opening day. (laughs) Wow. I I can't believe I'm coming back, but I am. Just when you think you're gone, we reel you back in. Yep. You just... You swear something off forever, and you know every time you say I'm not, I'm never doing this, it turns out you're gonna end up doing it. Seems like so. Yeah. 
I'm well, coming back for vengeance. So I'm going to come hunt those silent turkeys and hopefully figure out how to kill them. We'll see. You got a pretty good opportunity, and I'm glad that you're taking advantage of that. And hopefully you'll have a little bit of a different experience. Yeah. Well, I'd say I'm older, wiser, and I got... None the more patient, though. None no. the more patient. No, not at all. But I got plenty of shotgun shells that I can shoot at them, so <laughs> should be good. But anyway... Yeah. I thought I thought the listeners get a kick out of that. They've been tuning in and hear me bashing Alabama all the time. Here I am coming back. Well, I can't wait to hear the story after you come back from hunting Alabama and hear you brag about how great Alabama turkey hunting is. I hope that snow. happens. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to hear your story. Yeah, well, that'll happen one day, but right now, let's hop in here and talk to Dave Owens about everything under the sun, turkeys and turkey regulations and population declines and everything you can imagine so let's hop in there hey everybody cameron and i are glad to tell you that we have on the line with us this evening mr dave owens with the penhody project and dave probably needs no introduction these days so let's jump in and go and i'm going to ask the first question of dave cameron sorry about that (laughs) jumping the gun quick I, I am. I told you we were going to get get this thing going on. So, Dave, what in the world is going on? I hadn't talked to you in a while. Actually, I don't think I've talked to you since the convention last year. So, everything going good in your world? Yes, sir. Busy as ever. I mean, it's a it's fixing to be the fun time of the season, but it takes a lot of. It's always like you bring it down to the wire as far as the prep goes. I'm sure I'll be on my way down to Florida, still wondering what it is that I've forgotten, or trying to figure out how I'm <laughs> going to do something or get it completed while I'm on the road. So, yeah. You know, you just. You can like we spoke before we started recording here. We can we can prepare and prepare and prepare. We we you know the season's not a surprise, but for some reason it sneaks up on us, and I just kind of beat myself up. Like why did you not do this in December? Why did why why is it February and and you still got this stuff on your to do list? So <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Well, tell everybody a little bit about what you do have going on. So you know I mentioned the Penhody project and that you don't need any introduction but just in case there's somebody listening out there that hadn't heard about Penhody project what's going on with that tell us a little bit about it where we can find it and what else you have going on in your world these days well Penhody project is kind of started and it's remained the same thing it's just a just a guy with a, a passion for wild turkeys and hunting wild turkeys across the country majority of it's done on public land just due to that's what's accessible you know it'd be hard to kind of hunt all 49 states and have to have private land so public land was what is accessible i completed that 49 state slam and was following chubbs there for the completion of his and we kind of got a little bit of a reputation for that i guess but as a whole the whole thing was just just guys that really like to turkey hunt and and do it in a fashion that, that that's available for everybody you don't have to be wealthy we just wanted to kind of represent turkey hunting for exactly what it meant to us and respect the bird and respect the resource and try to you know slow everything down that you know every other part of the outdoor industry and the, and the animals that were pursued had some type of i don't know everybody seemed to approach them with a uh, i don't know they just approached them differently than i saw wild turkeys being approached and and some of the stuff that i saw almost made a mockery of what we do and the way we approach turkey hunting and it kind of got under my skin a little bit honestly and so i was like you know that's not the way we do it so we just wanted to carry a camera around and and see if what we did was would be you know we just felt like people could relate to it and nothing was out there that was relatable to the way we did it so we did and people seemed to you know like i saw there was a lot of people out there that hunted like us and were ready for some material to to entertain them that kind of related to 
what they did. So um, that's kind of it. We're still still in that same circle there. We're just turkey hunters that really like to turkey hunt and kind of plan our lives around turkey hunting and make sacrifices to make ourselves available for 80 or 90 days of spring and travel across the country doing so. And just uh, it's turned into it's turned into something that people are watching and kind of getting motivated that, you know, just showing them something that's possible they didn't even know was possible, kind of making these what they thought were dreams obtainable attainable for them you know this yeah so that was you know that's been one of the little little like uh, almost hidden gifts that i received from from starting this thing and doing this thing is watching people you know just watch some of the videos and get motivated however they find it you know whether that be hey i hunted public land for the first time had a great time was able to you know really stretch my legs i wouldn't wouldn't bound in by you know the the neighboring property lines you know only been able to hunt 50 acres or something you know it was really fun or the guys like you know what i've just got a message today as a matter of fact i've hunted georgia public land for 20 years and done well but this year i'm packing my truck and i finally put that someday that you talked about on the map you know i mean it's it's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to hunt a different state this year and, and do something that I'd never even considered. So thank yep. you for that. So, you know, that, that type of stuff was something I didn't, didn't even know that it would happen and it did. So that's what the Pinotti Project is. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's think... on YouTube, correct? Is there any other way to watch it or is it just YouTube? Yeah, it's, uh, you, you did ask that and I completely bypassed that. Uh, sorry about that. But yeah, it's, it started as YouTube. Now you can watch YouTube and uh, Mossy Oak Go. Mossy Oak Go has their streaming platform. So, yeah, you can watch uh, all of the seasons on either one of those two platforms. And, of course, you can keep up with us throughout this year and get pictures and little things on Instagram and Facebook like everybody else. So um, that's the main, main, main place you can find us. Yeah. I think one of the big attractions to the Penhody Project is it is just what you said. It, it's about the turkey and paying respect to the turkey and it's not about pushing product and Mm -hmm. you know i have people ask me all the time well do you know so and so no i don't know so and so what you don't know so and so they have a show on the outdoor channel i don't watch it (laughs) yeah (laughs) what do you mean You, you don't watch the outdoor channel you're a huge hunter i can't believe you don't watch it i don't it's it's a commercial i fast forward through commercials why would i watch a a 30 minute long commercial on a hunting channel <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you don't get that with Penhody. you get dave no, owens hunting turkey well dave owens killing turkeys even though you do do some hunting on there <laughs> <laughs> i think i've seen one maybe where you know you weren't you weren't fortunate enough to harvest something <laughs> <laughs> we try our best man it's that that was one of the things also that we wanted to this last season was a little bit different because mossy oak started their live block you know you can see our stuff on mossy oak go first typically and they do a live block you know i think it was thursday evening uh, every week and they wanted uh, or we attempted to provide fresh content every week you know most shows are what was shot in you know the year previous so you're watching shows that have been edited all summer and, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing but our stuff is about as real time as i can possibly make it uh considering that we hunt every single day and i'm trying to edit this stuff and, and people don't realize one 15 minute episode usually requires at the minimum 14 to 16 hours to edit yeah. and clean up and get get out there typically it's well into 20 something hours if if it, if it was any type of you know, long day. Um, basically a roost hunt straight off the roost, straight to the gun. Nothing else happened that day. I can get it done in 12 hours, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, doing that on top of hunting 
you know, daylight to dark or whatever. It, it, but anyway, so basically what that means, if we were trying to collapse all the stuff down to fresh content once a week, I was putting out, you know, a little bit fewer episodes, but the episodes were a little bit more action packed, I guess, or maybe not action packed, but basically everything just moved a little quicker. And I tried to present it in a way that you still got to see the grind. You know, you still understood that, yes, we hunted three days in a row without even getting close. But, you know, it happened on day four mm. um, to where typically you would have had two episodes there covering those slow days. And then you would have had a good day with a, with a dead turkey on day on the third episode. Now all that was collapsed down into one episode so that we could kind of take you through the season, you know, with one episode per week. So I think it was good. I think it was it took me a little learning, you know, to try to because, of course, the way I like to watch these type of episodes, I like to watch all the details. You know, I don't mind sitting there and just having to listen to a bird drum for six straight minutes knowing that he's right over the hunter's shoulder like i don't mind that but i understand for anybody else that wouldn't sit in there with me that that may get a little monotonous after about 30 or 40 seconds of you know hearing him drum so i was having to learn to clip out what you know get the point across and then move on but so the episodes i guess were a little bit more action-packed or everything moved a little quicker so it may seem like we killed a turkey on every day <laughs> because they're uh the thumbnail will include a include a, a hero pick or hero shot or whatever they want to call it but it definitely wasn't the case it's still real turkey hunting you know <laughs> yeah yeah no, no doubt, doubt. Well, now that we know about Pinhody project and we know a little bit about you andy you want to maybe give him the quiz so we can learn a lot about him real fast let's do it dave you want to give this rapid fire q a a shot i think it's been about four or five years since we've done one and i think i've yeah, changed sure. the questions on you since then too so let's let's cue up the stopwatch here and then i'm going to read these 30 questions as quickly as i can let you answer them as quickly as you can and we'll see if you can beat the fastest time and it's tony caggiano so fast talking yankee with two minutes and 34 <laughs> seconds so probably 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 some stiff competition there that's stiff competition but i've got i know you your competitor so I've got confidence in you. All right, we'll see. All right, so I'm going to start the stopwatch when I start the first question. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Fried. Wild turkey on the rocks, neat, with cola or with water? Oof. I'm not a big wild turkey bourbon drinker, to be honest with you. But um, oof. I'm going to mix it with Coke, I think. <laughs> Number of grand slams? Oh, man, I don't even, I don't have a clue. I don't keep up with numbers of any of this stuff like I should, I guess. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? have not have you ever killed a jake i have a 10 minute successful hunt on a two-year-old or a four-hour long hunt with a clean mess on a four-year-old oh i'm taking the two-year-old all day favorite camo pattern bottomland wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog for dinner i think we're having them had them last night more or less than five strikers in your turkey vest way less states you killed your first turkey in georgia the state you killed your last turkey in. Maine. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Run and gun and not shoot. Rios or Osceolas? Osceolas. Osceolas or Easterns? Easterns. Easterns or Merriams? Easterns. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Woods all day. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight or beads? Hollow. Rubber boots, leather boots or snake boots? Uh, leather hikers. Favorite place you've ever hunted? Man, there's too many to name. Most turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Uh, not enough. Least number of turkeys you've ever killed in a season? I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> Out of all the states you've hunted, which state has the most uncooperative turkeys? 
uncooperative turkeys. Just, uh, there could be any of them on any given day. Yeah. If I had to give, I guess it would probably be Florida just because they won't talk sometimes. If you only knew how to imitate one turkey sound to call turkeys, what would it be? Yep. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good of a turkey caller do you think you are? Uh, eight. Favorite yeah. turkey hunting book? Old Pro. Who taught you how to turkey hunt? Uh, self-taught. Think of the toughest turkey you ever hunted. Did you ever kill him? Oof, man. Uh, you got to narrow that down. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Let's just say, let's go with no. The one from last year was no. Do you prefer long, sharp spurs or long, thick beards? I reckon I'm a spur guy. The biggest mistake new turkey hunters make? Giving up. How long does turkey season last in heaven, and what is the bag limit? Oh, man, it's going to have to be year-round, and you're going to be able to breathe life back into them so you can hunt them every day of the year, and you don't really ever hurt the population. I like that answer. I do, too. That's a new one. And, Dave, if you're an eight, then there is no hope of anyone attaining (laughs) ten status. That's just what he thinks he is, Cameron. I appreciate him being humble, but, my gosh, (laughs) if anybody on earth is a ten, it's Dave Owens. Uh, he can he can uh, there's, call there's a, there, here's my my philosophy on that is i think there's a guy using a trumpet in either north georgia or north carolina or somewhere in those mountains that lives in a cabin with no power that can walk out his door and kill a turkey any day of the of the year whenever he so chooses i i, I do believe that man exists um and that's that's who i think that's that's who i think is a 10 so you know it's that, it's, that, it's that idea that no matter how big and bad you think you are, there's always somebody that's bigger and badder. You just haven't yeah. met them yet, you know? So Yeah. I kind of I try, try, try to keep that frame of mind close at all times, and I think everybody should. Yeah, no, I agree with that for sure. That's that's a good frame of mind to be in. I'm just saying for, for us common folk out here, if Dave <laughs> Owens is an eight, my gosh, I don't know where I rank, but it's way on down there. <laughs> If you're if you think you're an eight, Dave, and you hear me call, you would think, <laughs> How in God's green earth does that fool even call a turkey within the same zip code of him? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, good thing Colin's only about ten percent of this thing. So Bingo. That's right. There you go. There That's you go. right. And let's talk about that for a minute because it is something that that we talk about a, a fair amount on this show. And it woodsmanship how so if Colin's 10 percent how much of of the equation is woodsmanship in your opinion I guess it's gonna it's gonna have to be the other 90 okay so I think those two I mean well you would you would have to say too that you know being where turkeys are would I guess you would I mean, say that's like woodsmanship. That into woodsmanship yeah. yeah I mean I think I think everything else falls into woodsmanship you know because I don't care if you can be the 10. You know, you can call is what you can take a live turkey and you can you can, you know, not know where to go to kill turkeys. And and no matter how pretty her yelps are in the middle of that Kroger parking lot, you're not going to kill a turkey. So I think the the woodsmanship, I guess it's a little bit of unfair comparison when you put it like that, too, because there's so much that goes into woodsmanship and calling is just calling, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and sure. I, at least the way I consider it, I mean, I consider woodsmanship to be everything from, you know, reading a topo map to being able to look at vegetation and ground cover and figure out whether it's inhabited by turkeys or likely inhabited by turkeys and reading the weather and figuring out where on the terrain that you should be looking for turkeys that day because obviously that can change from day to day. I think woodsmanship, you know, encompasses that as well as, you know, being in the woods and hearing little things that other people miss that, that you know, can be the difference in 
success and failure. You know, I mean, you hear mm-hmm. footfalls, you hear a, you hear something in the leaves, and you can tell the difference in a turkey scratching and a deer walking. I mean, those little things all encompass are all encompassed under that woodsmanship label. So I guess in calling is just it is just what it is. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I would think knowing your quarry, you know, might you might be able to break that out, knowing the animal. Oh, yeah. You, you yeah. Know, maybe, so, yeah might maybe, that, maybe that, yeah, maybe that's separate from, from woodsmanship. Just, yeah, familiarizing yourself with uh, with what you're hunting, for sure. I think we all go through that phase of people that, that have turkey hunted for some time, all go through that phase to where, and typically it's way up there at the front where you feel like turkeys are almost a mythical creature like they always they know what you're going to do before oh, you gosh. do it and, and somehow yeah. you do everything right and you you know we still bump into those but that's definitely what you're talking about there knowing that knowing the knowing your quarry because you start treating them like a turkey and treating them like an animal things kind of simplify themselves a little bit it does it makes a big yeah. difference cameron you had a question yeah i was just gonna say along the lines of knowing your quarry and woodsmanship you know we, we had your buddy kenny aka chubbs on the show a few weeks ago and he maintained that the setup was the key. And I've noticed on some of your Penhody project videos, y'all really take time on sitting down to a turkey. And so I kind of wanted to talk to you about what were some factors you might take into account before you actually put your butt on the tree. You know, what what makes you know that, all right, I'm, I'm ready, I'm in the right spot, and it's time to sit down and, and make it happen. I think the setup is way at the top. On, on actually having a successful because i mean the bat the thing is the, the the wrong setup no matter how perfect everything is if you make the wrong setup it will not happen i don't care what mood the turkey's in how yeah. well you call to him you know whatever if you make the wrong setup it won't happen so yeah i think setup is is i mean it, it is it is turkey hunting essentially i think without the knowledge on i think that's what we're, we're out there doing everybody's out there just trying to look for opportunities to to make a setup and you put yourself in a position enough times you learn from your mistakes and you learn what's good and what's bad i mean it all depends on and all depends just to get back to your question it all depends on on your terrain and the vegetation and, and everything else in the world as far as how you're going to set up what you're looking for but Typically, we like to we like to get that hen and and you know what you know hide yourself so that the turkey has to come looking for you. You like to be somewhere you know the turkey has either been or would feel comfortable being. You don't want to put him in somewhere that he's going to be nervous to to kind of get to. You want to you know basically you want to make it a familiar process for him. I always try to visualize what he's done before. You look at the terrain out in front of you. You're like, okay, if I were to walk up on turkeys right here, like where would they be? Like where would the turkeys be in this on this hillside right here? What would be what would be accommodating to them? You know, turkeys like the shade. They don't like direct sunlight. You know, they're going to be on the shady side of the field. They're going to be, you know, just taking things like that into consideration. You know, a lot of times, you know, uh, turkeys will kind of make a loop around you to approach you oftentimes with the sun at their back because, you know, it. In, when possible, when convenient for them, because I truly believe just over their lifetime, you know, they're out in these woods, you know, we're out there 80 or 90 days, they're out there 365, they figure out what's the safest way about approaching anything. Yeah. Um, and I truly I truly believe they, they have picked up on and they understand that they don't know what they're doing, I assume. They don't have the ability to reason, but I do think that they have the ability to recognize they can see better when that sun is, is at their back. You know, for some reason, when we position ourselves like this we can see better so that being their main line of defense I, I truly believe that taking that into consideration you can really you know really put the odds in your favor and just a good hide you know i think i mean 
I don't know. I see some videos and some stuff where people plop down by these big old wide open, clean bottom oak trees and turkeys yeah. come up and spin around in circles. And I that maybe it's because I'm holding the camera. I don't know because turkeys do seem to see cameras extremely quick. But man, I've never had that kind of luck. <laughs> like I'm, I'll jump inside a I'll jump inside a briar patch and and, and waller me out of you know a little tunnel to shoot through. And somehow that turkey still sees me. It seems like. But you know, and you got the you got the crowd that'll say as long as you don't move, you can wear you know you can wear blue mm-hmm. jeans. And not I don't know. I I don't believe that. Yeah. There's a bunch of folks in the North Carolina mountains who are subscribed <laughs> to that theory. Andy and I saw them in the flesh. <laughs> I just don't believe it because I've laid on my belly not moving before and had turkey see me. So yeah, I, I don't know. And that's with the best camouflage on. So Yeah, I mean, I, I think we definitely have an advantage with camouflage, so why not take it almost? I mean, I, I don't doubt that you could in certain circumstances kill them without it, but why would I not? take the time to put on some camo if i can <laughs> yeah sure thing yeah absolutely i'm not out there to prove anything to anybody so yeah gonna, you know I, so. I want the highest odds chance of bringing him home if i can and that's an easy variable yeah. to change absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. well cool that, that was a good explanation I, I think kenny seemed to think that was a key and I, it seems like you've hit that on your show quite a bit and you know yeah there's a lot more you to see it us than wander I... around. You will see us wandering around on that show, wonder, worrying about setup. I mean, we, I'm sure we over critique it just because that's the, the, the type of person he and I both are when it comes to that part of the. We just both realize how important that part of the process is, mm-hmm. and we both are very meticulous before it when it comes down to sitting at a tree. I mean, we analyze everything. So when we're both together and we're looking at each other, you know, then you've doubled your problems with every tree your problems with every situation so it it really takes some takes some uh reasoning to finally find the perfect set but yeah i mean i set up is 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 the thing hmm. well along the lines of hunting with a partner i was I, I was curious about this myself would you rather hunt alone or with somebody uh, alone man I, i'm i'm a loner yeah uh, have been forever i just not with anything else yeah but with turkeys with turkeys i'm definitely a loner now i've gotten especially with this video camera thing and wanting to get something that everybody doesn't have to take a dramamine before they watch it you know <laughs> i've tried to I've, I've found that i i i get a lot better footage and things come together a lot better when i'm holding a video camera rather than a shotgun when i try to hold both of them it you really feel like you've been on a roller coaster by the time you get done with the episode sometimes so hunting with other people and you know as long as they're a like-minded person and and their hunting style kind of matches what i do it, it's pretty seamless like with you know the people that you see you know squirrel and chubs and uh, sleazy uh, my brother i mean we all are just like-minded people and we and we want to you know we want to get out there and we want to hunt how we like to hunt and then be mobile and you know yeah and that you, type hunting with those type people seems to be easier but definitely i mean majority of my not leave courtney off that season. list she's there when she can be nah, i can take it or leave it <laughs> he's in the next room he's listening to me right now so <laughs> oh man yeah I, I go through phases i have kind of a small circle i like to share the woods with a, a few times a year but i'm with you a majority of the hunts i'd just rather be out there by myself yeah and that's the way i don't know like every every year if you'll notice in these videos that last couple weeks of the season when it really hits home with me that the season's coming to an end 
I kind of have a little bit of a internal meltdown and I have to get into my truck and I have to go somewhere and I have to hunt by myself. I have to live out of the back of my truck because that's what I enjoy doing more than anything in this world is living out of the back of my truck by myself and turkey hunting. So I have to kind of mm-hmm. do that, you know, and you'll see that at each one of these seasons, like that last part of the season, I'm typically in a truck by myself. And last couple of years, Courtney's kind of flown in for those last couple of days. And it's been nice, but, you know, you'll see me, I think, you know, year before last, it was Wisconsin-Minnesota deal, and last year it was a Pennsylvania-Maine deal. It's always like kind of climb in the truck and, and get a little alone time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you kind of grew up hunting the mountains in Georgia, in North Georgia. Is there, and and we all know you've hunted all over the country, is there something maybe one or two tips that you can give some folks who might be new into turkey hunting and hunting mountain birds that might help them have a little bit more success because sometimes they can be a little bit difficult to hunt. Yeah, especially when you look at those maps and then the terrain just looks monotonous because it'll all be a lot of the same stuff. So it's hard to find those transition lines or openings or anything that would kind of trigger your mind to think that turkeys are because turkeys like diversity just like anything else and it's fun finding those birds way beat you know way back off the beaten path in those big deep mountains they'll they'll live in a i don't know if it's different turkeys that then you can find out in the field you know too much prior you know earlier in the spring mm-hmm. but it's fun to find them deep in there as far as how to hunt them find them i mean uh, you, you essentially you have to hunt with your ears so what i like to do is just put myself in the best position we all know turkeys typically especially down in the southeast you're going to get that magical gobble time which is what 20 minutes maybe 25 if you're lucky of gobble time and i like to put my ears on as much ground as i possibly can during that magic time so what i do is i look at topo maps and i try to figure out how i can be efficient in going from one listening spot to the next so a lot of times that'll find me catching these spine ridges that, you know, I can I can walk about a mile with a logging road, especially I can walk a mile in, you know, 18 minutes or so if I'm really hoofing it. Mm-hmm. So you consider you can cover nearly if you can find a good spine ridge, and especially if it's clean topped or whatever um, to listen off of each side of that spine ridge. You can walk down one finger real quick, listen off the edge of it and listen to a big bottom there. And we found that these, you know, these mountain turkeys like to they'll roost at the head of some of these drains or ravines or whatnot so catch that spine ridge catch you a finger ease off of there listen for a handful of minutes i'll do whatever you do to try to locate turkeys if you don't you know hear one you can quickly be back up to the spine of that ridge bust tail another four five six hundred yards drop off the other side on the spine now you're listening to completely virgin ground that hadn't been listened to that morning and you know basically you're being efficient you're you know listening to as much ground as you possibly can in that magic little 20 minute fail and then once it gets after fly down time you can use the same exact approach if you're still not on the turkey because you can cover so much more ground efficiently um calling off each side of that spine ridge down into these bottoms and you know striking a turkey finding a turkey to hunt you know starting that you know stage one of the game it's just uh it makes so much more sense than just saying hey i'm gonna go try this spot and if he's not there i've got to go down in this bottom and climb across this thing you know and going Mm -hmm. up and down and you know trying to be efficient with your time you're saving your legs and trying to just you know cover as much ground as you possibly can but you just don't want to repeat you know i hate i'm one of those people that'll plan a circle i don't i don't like calling into the same spot twice even though heard a lot of people say they kill a turkey on the way out you know standing in the footsteps of where they were 
two hours before when they called. But I'm just one of those people. Uh, if he don't gobble the first time I call, I feel like he's not in the right mood, and my chances of killing him are mm-hmm. way down at the bottom. I'm gonna try to find one that's a little better, a little better mood for me. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So where are you headed this year? Still putting pen to paper on that. I've got a lot of the normal stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time here around Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and Tennessee. He's gonna see uh see a bit of the season like always. Florida, of course, I'll be down there and getting beat up down there again. Do an out west swing. Courtney and I'll be heading for Miriam somewhere out west. I think we're gonna look at Arizona. Who knows what I'll touch from here to there. Yeah. And then I I don't I I'll be headed back to the northeast to finish it up at the end of the end of the season so mm-hmm. okay now you Very did nice. hear that the state of alabama just cut the bag limit to one bird didn't you <laughs> not yet they're 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 well on their way but i know they're 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 not yet i think this is the last <laughs> season you're gonna see five birds but that's just i hope me it is. thinking uh, from what i've seen but what do you think but, about that do you think five birds is too many or you think that's good i don't Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't see a problem with it. You look at the percentages of the people that are killing five birds. I mean, so you you knock the pop. You know, basically, you're only affecting the people who really like to turkey hunt. Honestly, because I don't know, man. I mean, I think to to reduce the limit from say five to three. I mean, you're saving very few turkeys because the percentage of people that actually kill five turkeys is is pretty pretty narrow i think you would be way more effective as get some legislation passed to make the tagging system that you have adequate you know stop the people that are killing 10 birds by making it just a little bit more difficult than just an honor system give some hard copy tags you know i don't believe in limiting opportunity i don't like the talk about shortening seasons i am all on board when it comes to anything to help the wild turkey if uh but I, i just think that it can be done without decreasing opportunity all of these states harping on wanting to sell license and wanting all the help they can to get license sales so that they can access those pr dollars but yet they want to decrease opportunity and and i can't think of a better way to hurt your license sales than allow hunting less now like i said when i started this i'm all for if, if you if that's the only way to help the wild turkey and if we're really seeing a downward we're uh which i know we're seeing a downward trend here and I'm willing to accept that, and I've seen the numbers, and, and I've seen it myself. So I know something needs to be done. I just think by shortening the season, it's hitting the easy button, to put it bluntly. I think it's just because, of course, that's going to help. You know, I mean, yeah, guess what? Canceling the season would absolutely help. You would have way more turkeys. Yep. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just not a realistic approach, you know. Yeah. I think if uh, there's a lot more options that should be on the table to limit the harvest and delay the harvest rather than take an opportunity away, I think it's just going to be a lot more difficult to implement. It's going to be a lot more difficult to, I don't know, it's just going to be a lot more difficult to, uh, to understand for the hunters. And I know as the state goes, they always try to keep things simple. You know, I mean, they want it to be simple. They don't want it to, uh, hunting to be an overcomplicated process. But, you know, sometimes a simple answer is just not available. And I think we're looking at one of those situations now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think anybody listening to this show would disagree with that statement, that it's this is not an easy thing to solve. And it, it really is going to have to be a multifaceted approach to you know helping turn some of this population decrease around and you know you we were supposed to have started our interview about 30 minutes sooner than we did but we delayed it because you asked 
to do that so you could go out and check some traps. Well, that's part of it, you know. Yeah, we, and I think we need to be trapping. That's, it's really frustrating to me to see the amount of excitement for turkey hunting, but the lack of excitement about helping. Like, because if we could get everybody that killed the turkey llama last year, every if everybody that killed the turkey last year would walk outside, go to their nearest public lands, go to your area biologist, they will happily write you a permit most of the time. You know, you've got a trapping season. I mean, buy you a handful of coon cup traps, stuff a marshmallow in it, put a little sardine around the top of it. Like, if you could get every turkey hunter to catch five coons, everybody that killed a turkey, if they caught five raccoons in the month of February or March, I think that in itself would, I mean, that that would would help. I mean, it would have to help. Absolutely. Um, But you just don't. You just don't, I mean, people get excited about killing something, but they don't get excited about saving something. And that, I get a little frustrated with that sometimes because as, as, as much as I love hunting these turkey, obviously everybody knows me. If, if, if he's goblin, I want to hunt him. But I want to save him even more. You know, you bump into these turkeys, <laughs> bump into these turkeys late in the season, these hens, and they'll have little poults with them. And, or you walk up on a nest, you flush a hen off the nest, and she's out there acting like her wings broke and stuff and just realizing the gauntlet that a wild turkey has to, to hop through to re- reach adulthood is just absolutely mind-boggling for me. And when we touch a trigger on one, man, we have just put the period to a very long, very difficult life. You know what I mean? I mean, we just we just put an exclamation at the point of it. And I think it's a good thing because I think when death can come to them naturally, it would be much more painful. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, you know, I'm not definitely not a you know against the hunting part of it but i just think that if everybody would would partake in making sure that we did our part to make sure that the the life of that wild turkey and getting to adulthood was just a fraction easier i think our whole turkey hunting decline trend deal that we're dealing with now and what everybody's talking about i think it would dry up and disappear honestly now granted i know like we've said it's a it's a multi-step approach to taking care of this thing because there's habitat that's missing that we can't replace yeah yeah. So we have to address that. But, you know, this is it's, it's basically it's easier for a man to grab six coon cuff traps and run them once a day, whether before work or after work. Guess what? If you run them before work, turkeys are already gobbling. You can actually get out there, scout a little bit, run your six coon cuff traps and go to work, you know, or after work. You know, I mean, it, it's something that's it's is it a little bit inconvenient. Yeah, I know you get off work, you're tired, you want to go home, eat, whatever. But, you know, you're only doing it for a month. And I think that would help our situation tremendously it's easy for a guy to do that it's not as easy for a guy to to rent a dozer and go cut fire breaks and, and burn you know 100 acres that's right. just not realistic for a lot of people but the coon cuff deal is so that's why i think that's why i think that's 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 part of our answer yeah yeah, yeah. I, i've considered myself i've kind of gotten on that idea of if i take a bird off of say this public land near my house should I go back and, and, you know, remove three to five raccoons is almost like payment for, all right, you gave me a resource. I need to put something back into it. And I think that's a great idea. I'd love to, I mean, I wish there was some way to implement that to where you could actually like, okay, in order to get your third tag, you got to yeah. provide us five nest predators, but yeah, that's bring us five tails. Bring us five raccoon tails. You know, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that would be impossible to probably implement effectively because everybody be, you wouldn't find a roadkill raccoon with a tail anymore, but, <laughs> <you know? laughs> but, um, but, you know, but just getting people motivated about saving wild turkeys is, is as much as they're motivated about killing wild turkeys, I guess, is my, they don't think that I'm 
paint myself as some glory figure. You know, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of ground to make up, honestly. Like I haven't been as motivated as I should have been about, you know, we've always on our little private piece that we do have, we've always attempted to manage it the best we could with the knowledge that we've had and stuff. But you know, it's uh it's something like I said, I got ground to make up and I know that and I'm 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 ready. You know, I'm willing. We've we've I've literally got a box of two dozen coon cuffs that showed up last week that we're fixing to break out because, like I said, it's February now. All troops should be deployed, and that's exactly what we're we're intending to do. So, yeah, I like it. Well, I want to throw something out there at you that maybe you have thought of, maybe you haven't about limiting the bag or cutting the bag limit in in mm-hmm. not just Alabama but in in states around the country, and I think that. If the bag limit is cut, let's let's use Alabama for example because you brought it up. If it's cut from five birds to three birds, if somebody's being honest, and that's the big wild card, and you mentioned that about the tags, and uh, I'm with you one million percent on that. But if somebody's being honest, and that person normally kills five in a year, and they go from killing five in a year to killing three. There's going to be some mornings when they're not going to be in the woods, when maybe it's raining or maybe it's a little windy, and that that's a morning they would normally be out there, but they've killed their three, and maybe they're not going to go with their buddy that morning who hasn't tagged out, and he's trying to help his buddy tag out, or she's trying to help her, his, her buddy tag out. And so if you can take some of the hunters out of the woods because they've tagged out and filled the bag limit, then to me, I think that's a benefit for the wild turkey. Your I thoughts don't, on that? Maybe if you did that early in the season, because the problems that we're seeing is interference in the breeding process. I don't think the interference we're seeing on late in the season really matters because the breeding's been done. So if you wanted to limit the amount of pressure and people in the woods it would only be effective if you did it early in the season now granted you have to consider bumping hens off nests and harassing hens right. and that kind of thing so maybe there is some some type of you know some type of salt into that you know argument there but in my opinion looking at what everybody's harping at and if you listen to the well if you listen to chamberlain and then the 1467 million echoes of chamberlain that everybody listens to a couple of chamberlain podcasts and feels like they're a turkey biologist expert myself mm-hmm. included sometimes so you know it, it's, it's that interference with that breeding cycle early in the season so i don't think you know nobody nobody's going to not go early in the season because they know they're going to limit out late in the season i don't no, i think right. that'll be a hard card to sell so i don't i sure you may take a few people out of the out of the woods late in the season but there's a lot well i won't say a lot there's some of those guys that aren't going to be there late in the season anyway because that's you know late april may that's that's traveling time that's when we hit the road a lot of us so yeah yeah I'm I'm not sure, you know, Tennessee reduced our limit from four to three, which statistically means about 2,000 turkeys will be saved uh, Mm -hmm. over the past years, you know, out of 40,000, only 2,000 were the fourth bird for people. So it it isn't a huge deal. I would think if they took a week off the front of the season and put it on the back, you don't limit the number of days people can hunt and you you give the turkeys an extra week to get that breeding part done. That's what I've always kind of thought might be the better solution, but I'm no biologist either. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of that, everybody's looking at delaying the seasons, and I would much rather see that than rather just, rather than just chopping a week off. But yeah. um, what you've got to realize, too, maybe not quite in the situation of Tennessee because you guys are of a week or maybe even two uh, behind Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia. But yeah. over 50% of the, the out-of-state revenue is uh, is non-residents in these states. You know, I mean, that and at least the turkey mm. portion of it, people aren't coming to Georgia or to Alabama to hunt in april they're just not they're coming here because they get it they coming from ohio they're coming from illinois they're coming from iowa because they get to hunt in march mm-hmm. um so yeah. when you start axing off some of that march portion of the season there goes your your license sales and there goes your funding and the next thing you know you don't have enough funding coming in to justify any type of research for the wild turkey because why nobody cares about them that's been my argument with decreasing the seasons and next thing you know you're gonna it's gonna be like going to maine people don't care about turkeys research isn't done on turkey because they just they just don't care i mean they're gonna do it on whatever the the species is that had that appeals to the largest majority and we know about everywhere that's deer around here um yeah. so the next thing you know you start acting the, the turkey seasons fewer people turkey hunt because it's just not worth their time Next thing you know, you can't get anybody to do anything for wild turkeys because it just doesn't make us any money, you know, and we got to follow yeah. that dollar, really. And that's my, that's kind of been my argument against taking that front of the season off. Now, I do like the limiting the amount of birds that you can take for the first you know, like, 10 days or so. Like South Carolina. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, Missouri's been doing it for years. I don't see and I've never heard about that hurting the amount of non-resident you know, license sales in Missouri, because they've been doing that for quite a number of years, I believe. And I could see to where that would be effective. Ultimately, if you want opinions, we all know how opinions are. But <laughs> I think Wisconsin, the way they have their system set up is, is attractive. You have to buy a physical tag first off, and you're allowed to buy, you know, they have a they have a fixed allotment on the tags. So therefore, you know, an over harvest of turkeys is not going to happen because you're not going to sell that many tags. And then you limit the amount of tags. Basically, you can only have one tag for season A, which is the first seven days of the season. You can have a tag for season B, which is the second seven days of the season. You know, in that way, you're limiting the amount of birds, not only overall, but you're limiting the amount of birds that are taken in a certain time frame. Therefore, we can, you know, and yeah. I know, I know I'm, I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot because I'm saying I don't want to decrease opportunity. But at the same time, I'm wanting to see, I, I just feel like this is, that would be a happy medium. But I guess I would really have to look at the numbers and make sure there would be enough opportunity out there for people to, you know, for people to have the opportunity to hunt that first week, you know. But right now they already are, you know, and if you could somehow make a tag available for them to kill one turkey during the first seven days or first 10 days or whatever, however you wanted to structure your seasons, I think you could be, it could be really a really good thing, not to mention, you know, the majority of folks that I've talked to. And I understand that my, my, people that 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 i typically find myself talking to are pretty hardcore turkey hunters nobody i've talked to that would have have had any type of uh anything negative to say about a, an inexpensive turkey tag you know let's take our hunting license and then let's you know an eight dollar turkey tag that eight dollars goes you know it can be earmarked earmarked just like federal duck stamp to upland bird habitat improvements or you know whatever for strictly for wild turkeys so mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a great idea and Speaking about Wisconsin, I wanted to ask you about, I I heard you on Cuz Strickland's podcast and mentioning, I I just wanted to kind of let you talk to our listeners about, you know, you had some kind of controversy with this year with the number of people that went to Wisconsin. And I think on that podcast, you mentioned some people had kind of lashed out at you and said, you know, Dave Owens ruined Wisconsin or whatever. Um, (laughs) 
like what is your like response to that on, on his podcast you gave a pretty good response in my opinion and and it, are you planning on because of that kind of backlash changing anything about Penhody to where you're not going to mention states or i mean do you care like what what um, are your thoughts there be, first off this whole youtube craze the whole social media craze i think it's done more harm. i mean i think it's done more good than harm i think Overall, it's been a it's a positive thing. I'll say that to to start this portion of the uh, discussion. But there, people like me, people like the hunting public, people like Shane Sense, and people like you know people that that have people that watch their turkey hunting stuff. Catman, I mean, everybody has to realize that we have a certain responsibility to keep these locations somewhat. I hate to use secretive because it sounds. I mean, I don't know. I don't like. I don't like the word secretive, but I, I guess that's what it is. Not for us. Like people, I don't care. Like, because, I, I, I mean, if I hunt a spot, I may not be back to that spot four or five years, you know? So it's not for yeah. me that I would be discreet about the locations, but it's for the local people, man. I mean, I don't want to yeah. take somebody's local honey hole or their local area and make it swarming with, with non-residents or, or whatever. I, I don't want to do that. So I mm, think yeah. the folks that, that film their stuff have a certain responsibility of doing that. And I mean, some people do it better than others. I would challenge folks to, to, to look at my stuff and tell me where I'm at. You know, if it's, I, I can only think of one episode where you can literally tell where I'm at. And that was a very special kind of place. So there was no avoiding it, but, and it was no secret either. So, but other than that, I, I mean, I, I, other than the locals, like a local guy might be able to tell, because if you come hunt my local dirt, I can see your video. I, I can tell where you're at. I don't have to see a yeah. road name. I don't have to see a town name. But I don't you're have already to hunting it anyway, you know. <laughs> I'm already hunting it anyway. And so are the locals. So it doesn't matter because, you know, they're already hunting it. So you're not adding any additional pressure. Yeah. The responsibility those locals have is to keep their doggone mouth shut and not get on there. Oh, I know where he's at. He's over here at so-and-so. That's the place I hunt. Like, why would you do that? You know, I mean, so um, that's the biggest problem that I see is, you know, but, you know, it's public land, rightfully. I mean, they can say what they want and, and nobody can say anything about it. And I completely understand, you know, their their uh, freedoms to do so. But I guess circling back around, people like myself and people that, that showcase their hunting, we have a certain responsibility to uh, to keep, you know, our footage discreet, show what's necessary, don't show what's not necessary. I understand that we're trying to tell the whole story, but you got to be careful, you know. We'll start with that. And second yeah. off, the Wisconsin thing, I'll speak about it directly. That was a failure a little bit on yeah. my part. Not that I would go back and do anything differently. I would kill just as many turkeys as I killed. I'm not going to ask a guy to, to get into a streak and a, and a, and a good streak and, and, and to not go when he can legally do so. But what I didn't do was I didn't share enough with the viewers to really tell them how things were going people don't realize in that basically what it appeared was i walked into wisconsin i walked into a place that had a bunch of turkeys and i killed all of them you know what i mean or i yeah. killed a bunch of them anyway yeah people don't realize and it's completely on my shoulders and i completely take responsibility for it that i hunted like two different zones and three different counties across wisconsin when i did that like, that was not on the same piece of dirt. That was not, you know, even the same flock of turkeys. I mean, I was hours away. There was half hours between one end of the places that I hunted to the other. So mm -hmm. that was a failure on my part. You know, I mean, it, it, it appeared that I walked into a place and just murdered turkeys, and I brought people in there with me, and when they murdered turkeys, and that was, that was bad. And I completely take responsibility for that. I should have I painted that picture a little better. That being said, if wisconsin sold more turkey license last year due to that i don't think you'll hear a complaint from wisconsin <laughs> yeah, um, yeah i think uh, i'm hoping that the additional revenue that was created due to 
you know, they're good. Tur- they have great turkey hunting. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping that the revenue that was created allows them to buy more land for turkey hunting, improve the land they do have for turkey hunting. I think that's what we got to make sure is happening is this, you know, we're talking about this COVID season, the record number of hunting licenses that were sold because people were getting outside, which I think is a beautiful thing. We got to make sure, say, okay, when we can get our hands, when the state agencies, the wildlife departments can get their hands on that money which typically takes a couple years it ain't like you sell the license one year you get that money the next year but when they do when that that money gets into circulation where's it at where's it going you know y'all talk about record license sales in in 2020 all right so 2023 2024 where's that new land at where's that increased habitat uh improvements at like where did you increase more acreage now because you obviously had the money to do so so just make sure that money is going to the ground where it's supposed to go um and here again that's the responsibility of the hunter to look into that i've I've thought that same thing i was like well you know we had more hunters than ever especially spring hunters we we ought to see some some improvements (laughs) yep i want to see more property you know i want to see some dirt you know i want to i want to be able to kick my legs up a little a little bit further deeper because I want y'all to buy that property that I saw for sale that was neighboring. You know, you should have the money to do so. Ask those type of questions. Look for more opportunity. I mean, my thing is, is, is if the hunter numbers are increasing, which is what everybody knows needs to happen, the population of hunters, you know, in relation to the overall population is declining. So we need to make sure we still have a voice. And to do that, we need to get more people involved in hunting and, and make it a, make it something that people will do year in and year out and get their kids involved and and take a buddy and, and that kind of thing and i think making it appealing to them whether it be through some silly youtube video or whether it be through some type of local outreach or whatever introducing folks that that wouldn't have seen that you know that whole local war challenge i think had gained a little ground there for a little bit yeah. stuff like that you know you're selling more hunting license let's just make sure that we keep our you know eyes on the prize which is more ground and better ground you know because if we're doing our part and and rec- recruiting hunters and you know the agencies aren't doing their part in providing us with places to hunt then we need to start asking some questions um yeah you know that's a good point yeah no doubt and you know it's a a good take and a good spin on all of that you know that that uh, maybe i shouldn't say spin because people take that you know word in the wrong way but you know i think that it's definitely something to think about and you know, you mentioned Wisconsin specifically, and, you know, you're right in the respect that they say we're going to sell 40,084 turkey permits, turkey tags for 2021 or 2020 or whatever year it is. They know that within reason, there's not going to be that many, any more birds killed than that. So, you know, they're saying this is what we can take throughout the state and they know how many are going into each zone. So, yep. you know, it's, it's, it's monitored pretty closely. And I have to agree with you when you say that they probably do things better than any other state. They, I just like it. I like the way it's set up. I like the way they have the ability it, literally on an annual basis to, to limit the harvest in specific. They don't overall limit opportunity per se, but they they can kind of shift the harvest in specific regions of the state. Now, you tell me why Georgia and Alabama, I mean, literally, we both have a coast and then we literally have mountains in the north side. Now, how does it make sense that we yeah. have the same season? That's what I... You know, Why don't we have regions like these other states? And that's another thing that goes along with that tagging process if we want to jump by another 
plug off of that biscuit is, you know, if we had a tagging system, these, I see a lot of stuff from the, from the biologist table, um, kind of from their frame of mind. Like I understand what they're working with because I live with one. Mm -hmm. So they can only do with what they're given. You know, people expect them to do all of these great things, and they're working with numbers that they're kind of having to pull out of thin air, or they're using some algorithms and derivatives and deviations and all this type of stuff that they get off of these very small sample sizes. And, man, if you had – because, like, Georgia, for instance, they don't know how many turkey hunters they have. They're counting the amount of turkey hunters – off the amount of big game license they sell, all right? We all know the majority of those big game licenses are going to be turkey hunters. I mean, are going to be deer hunters, you know? I mean, we just know that. The majority of those licenses. So how are they figuring out how many people are turkey hunting? And it's a lot of it comes back to this phone survey. I've turkey hunted Georgia for 20-some-odd years, and I've never received this phone survey. That's not a failure on their part. It's just how the system is structured. And Mm -hmm. I think with, like, a, a tagging system, you would know exactly how many turkey hunters you have. You would be able to calculate your man days very closely because you would know exactly how many people are on the, you know, are on the ground. I mean, you would be able to basically kind of foresee some of these problems we're running into before they happen. And I think that's been a problem with, you know, a lot of these states in the southeast, like Alabama and Georgia, they don't have a really a legitimate tagging system. So all of these problems are, are occurring and it was really hard for the biologists to kind of see it because like i said they're guessing on a lot of these numbers and it's not their fault it's just how the system was structured yeah preach Uh, it brother preach it tennessee tennessee just implemented the tag before you drag and it's even on a phone app so you can put it in on your phone i think that's been a great thing because it puts in people's minds you know if it's their last bird that a lot of folks a lot of times wouldn't tag that one so they can go keep hunting tomorrow but if you don't tag yeah. him before you start hauling him out, if Mr. Green Jeans is waiting on you, you're getting a ticket. And I, I, that, that's, that's good. I mean, the, the phone thing, you've got to make stuff convenient for people. And this, the Southeast has always been an opportunity area. We know that. Like that. That's what the Southeast is here for, for opportunity. You can go to Iowa if you want a quality experience. You can go to Iowa and shoot a turkey, you know, 15 yards off the road and take your pick of which of the eight in the flock you want to kill. That's how their license and seasons and things are structured. You can pay 280 bucks to go kill one gobbler, mm. and you got seven days to do it. Mm-hmm. That's how they're, the southeast is structured different. Yeah, It takes you – it's all dependent on what you want. I would rather hunt for five days to kill one turkey than to go up there and hunt one day to kill one turkey. You know what I mean? So it's, the South yeah. has always been structured as an opportunity state as, as far as you, you get the ability to go. And it's going to be a little bit more difficult to kill them. It's going to require a little bit more finesse. So you're going to have to go through a little bit more of a grind, but the opportunity is there. You know, if, if it, so that's just the way it's structured, and I understand that. But like the phone app, the game check, that's getting biologists a lot more accurate numbers and, and compliance kind of continues to climb from year to year with using it i think it's a great thing but you got folks that are killing these turkeys and getting everything typed in there but before and then they're just keeping it in their hand as they're walking out with their turkey and if they encounter somebody they'll hit submit Hmm. if they don't encounter somebody they'll erase that crap when they get home you know what i mean i mean it's it's still not do that i like the paper tag i like that big old shiny yellow tag that you got to have in pennsylvania so that when you're walking out with that turkey you better have those those uh the dates notched with a knife and you got to have that thing zip tagged or zip tied around their leg or tied to their leg somehow so that yeah. it's just an outlaw is going to outlaw it just is they just are but if you can just at least make it a little bit more difficult and then for bird number two 
you go back to Walmart or your Cabela's or whatever sporting goods stores around the corner and you get another waxy covered paper, I mean, just another hard copy tag. Yes, it's a little bit of inconvenience, and that's part of that going against that simple philosophy that these that the Southeast wants to keep with their hunting, and I understand that, but we're not looking at a simple answer. We've got a complex problem, and it sometimes may, may you know, require a little bit of an inconvenient answer. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. No doubt about it. Well, this has been fun. I mean, I, I can talk to you about this stuff all day long and you know I'm, I'm mike chamberlain and i had a discussion i think and i can't remember if we ran it on the show or if it no. was after yeah so it was after we ended the interview about this very thing that we're discussing and you know i equate it to this and it's something everyone can relate to imagine managing your household finances when you don't have any idea how much money you have coming in in a month you don't have any idea how many creditors you owe money to and you don't have any idea how much you owe them and that's how we're managing not just wild turkeys but deer and pretty much every other critter in the southeast yeah. But these states that are doing a little bit more of a inconvenient process, let's call it that, um, where they're selling these tags and they're keeping a little bit, you know, they're just getting more legitimate data. You're not seeing near the turkey problem. I don't see near the turkey problems in those states. Absolutely. Um, agree so, with- you know, I mean, I think, and, and, and like like the stuff that Chamberlain talks about and the, and the, and the things that he says and stuff, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, he's a brilliant individual. It's just that I just have different ideas. Well, and he, I've talked to him on the phone myself as well, and he agrees with the things that I say. It's just that those questions haven't been asked before; they haven't been researched. Is is, and that's my biggest thing. Is I'm wanting turkey hunters to be like, hey, let's not be an echo chamber. Like we've heard what he's found, we know what he says will most likely fix the problem. But is there a way? All right, I understand we may need to do something to hit the panic button right now. But is there a way that we can help the turkey population? and continue to hunt as much as we currently do? That's the questions I want to ask. That's what I want people to start wrapping their minds around. Like, hey, man, what, what can we do to see the turkey populations rebound and come back up, but us still get to hunt them for, you know, whatever, 45 days, 50 days, whatever whatever a season may be? Uh, it, maybe it doesn't exist. Maybe it doesn't exist, but I would love to see some research poured into figuring, you know, asking these questions, determining if, if, if we did these type of things, if we could still hunt them like we do and still have them like we need them. Yeah, it exists. You can hunt them with blowguns, spears, <laughs> slingshots, and nothing else. Yeah. And I think that's you'd what I, the... I mean. Some people have asked for a primitive weapon season, you know, like, hey, instead of knocking the first two weeks off of the season, how about making it primitive weapons? You know, I mean, hey, I'm up for anything except limiting my days unless it is absolutely necessary. Like I said, I just felt like that. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like when you go to the doctor and you've got a, I don't know, you've got, I don't know, you you go to the doctor and, and you've got a toothache. You know what? He cuts your head off at the neck. Your tooth is not going to hurt anymore. Absolutely right. But then you've got a bigger problem. And I'm afraid that hitting that panic button and taking the whole front of the season off is, is going to cause bigger issues that nobody's really realizing yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and my fear is, as I've seen with other legislation, once it gets changed, it's real hard to get it back yep uh, exactly it is. exactly exactly even exactly. if the, if the but, populations boom i don't see us getting those days back yep yep and you ain't you won't get your bag limits back you know no, you, yeah. you Tennessee's know, I mean, now i'm probably going to two but we'll see yeah so man i just it, it, it's something that i could talk on for hours because i just don't 
<laughs> understand the bag limit thing. I mean, I just don't understand it. Like, because it's like they want to use data and numbers when it's convenient to use data and numbers. The data shows that reducing the harvest early in the season equates to more nest success or at least more bred hens or successfully bred hens. Mm-hmm. But your data also shows that the people killing the fourth and fifth turkey make a minute part of the harvest but yet you want to attack that like that seems like a legitimate data to look at so whereas you know they want i don't know it just i can i can go on down a down a wormhole here and say you know like let's let's look at the data when it says what you want it to say you know i don't know it's it yeah i get where you're coming from i just wish more people i just wish more people were passionate about it in days other than those couple months of turkey season then everybody be talking about it around turkey season you ask them about this stuff in in august and don't nobody know nothing about it you know yeah. Yeah. You've given me something to think about because, you know, I've been harping on this. Hey, the bag limit needs to be cut. And I know I've hunted in Alabama my entire life. I know the percentage of people that kill four or five birds in a season is not real high when you're talking about the overall percentage of, of people who hunt, but it takes hunters out of the woods. And I think, you know, what I had not thought about is, you know, you're not taking them out of the woods in the early part of the season. You're taking them out of the woods in the latter part, latter part of the season. And yes, you know, I've bumped a hen off a nest and she, she never came back to it. I know that's one that I bumped. How many did I bump that I didn't know never came back? You know, if I was hunting on public ground, maybe I never circled back around to that nest again. But I think you're right in, you know, my opinion as a mortgage originator, my professional opinion as a mortgage originator, I think you're right in that we need to focus on the front end, doing less damage on the front end than the back end. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And But, I mean, what you got to realize also is some of these, you know, adding a lot of these seasons, like there's there's federal framework where you can't extend a season any later. A lot of these seasons are already structured to go as late as possible. So, like, adding, taking that front week and, and sticking it on the back is just not something that it's possible because that's a completely – that's not the state doing that. They've got, like, a they're, they're, they're setting their season within a, within a framework a lot of times. And so we may be encountering a bit of that as well. So a lot of this stuff I've learned, like, you know, the tagging process, the delaying the season and stuff like that is, is not a state wildlife department thing like that is stuff that's legislature you know that's that's Mm -hmm. a different process altogether that's something that i've got to do better about learning and understanding and you know i don't know why i've been given the platform i have but i'm going to do my dang best to try and help folks that are just like me that may not know um make it easier to, to understand and realize what we need to do to make changes and things that would be acceptable for the largest number of us there are. You know, I think a lot of folks are going to see some of these changes and regulations and they didn't have any clue they were happening and they had opinions on how it should go. And I just think a lot of these changes are going to happen and and a lot of these people aren't even going to know that they're coming. And I'm just, I'd, I'd love to use my platform to try to alert people to it and get some more opinions and get some conversation started on alternate methods of getting it to a common goal. Like we all want more turkeys. We all want to hear eight off the roost. So I think ultimately we can, we can center around that at least. We can discuss as long as people don't get their emotions involved. We can discuss about anything, but it gets to so much like politics when you start talking about methods and 
limiting them and, and changing certain things that people get their emotions involved and they can't have a have a discussion. Right. You know, I'm I'm, I'm and it and it's hard. I've taken licks on the chin these past couple months because I'm a apparently attacking somebody if I suggest one thing or another and then it's not like I, I'm just looking for everybody to start getting their wheels turning let's quit echoing what we've heard and start coming up with some original solutions um that might work you know um I'm game for any flipping thing especially if it allows me to still turkey hunt for the full season and have as many turkeys as we want so yeah yeah that's the bottom line you hit the nail on the head we all want more turkeys no doubt yep. no doubt <laughs> More goblin turkeys too. We can figure out how to how to get these sneaky ones out of there. It would be great. <laughs> <laughs> we can breed them out. Yeah. Well, we just turn Dave Owens loose on them and yeah, you know, take right. care of quite He's a few of them right there. Man. Yeah. I find them. I, I find them incredibly hard to kill when I can't hear them. They are. Aren't they? <laughs> I'm an ears guy. I'm yeah. an ears guy. Like I hunt with my ears, and when the wind's blowing or when they ain't gobbling up, my my success plummets. Yeah, um, I don't think you're I the only one to get my editing done. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good deal, man, Dave. I've enjoyed this. This has been fun, and you know, it, it's good having a conversation like we had, and and I, you know, I think it's good, and I'm sure the people that are listening to this show is giving them some food to chew on and that's what we need and so thank you for sharing your thoughts and opinions on all that and giving us a few turkey tips along the way as well and do you want to know your time from <laughs> the rapid fire q a it had to be pretty slow there was some there was some my ears started smoking on a couple of them questions so i know i didn't do anything real quick <laughs> well you were not the worst and you were not the first so three minutes and 18.27 seconds so not bad you're you're about smack dab in the middle of the pack we gotta yeah. I, I will say that chubbs smoked you <laughs> no he lies a lot you can't ever trust his answers <laughs> turkey hunter lying i just can't believe that'd be the case <laughs> good deal man well best of luck to you this season i i hope you have a great one and accomplish all the goals that you want to accomplish this year and I look forward to seeing some more hunts from you as well. Yeah, good luck, Dave. Same to you guys. Thank you, buddy. All right. Well, you stay safe out there traveling around, too, and we'll circle back around, I guess, uh, come June. All righty. Sounds good. Y'all take care. You too, buddy. Thank you. All right. You know, Dave threw a little something out there at me that I'd not thought about in my many rants against... The way Alabama's season is structured. And I'm not going to say I'm 100% on board with him, but he gave me a different perspective, something else to think about when it comes to lowering the bag limit in order to get hunters out of the woods. Yeah. You know, that, that was, that's been one of my big talking points, you know, is that it's kind of a twofold thing. First of all, you are saving some turkeys yeah. by lowering the bag limit. You are. There's zero question about it. As long as people are following the law, you're saving some turkeys, but you're getting hunters out of the woods, and that is important. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, I, as much as you guys hear me say, and I'll say it again today, we need more hunters in the woods. We do. It's important for survival of our sport, but it's also important to get those who've been successful out of the woods. They had their time, they had their successes, and it's time to get them out because this is the only animal that I know of that we hunt when the females are having their babies. And that's what's happening. You know, these hens are laying eggs. 
while we're in the woods. Yep. And we're disturbing them every time we're in the woods. So anyway, I thought that was a pretty interesting take on things. And it's just a great interview. You know, I enjoy talking to Dave about all things turkey. You yeah, know, I, I totally agree with him on some aspects of the let's look at other ways that we could help the turkeys before we start taking away opportunity yeah but i will say i think five is still a little much for alabama and you know i don't think it would be a terrible thing to go to four or three for y'all but you know I will say that I think there's other things that need to be done, and I definitely agree with him on the aspect of I'm ready to see some action from the states. You know, they should have just gotten a big influx of cash from this COVID year. Let's see something. I want to see tangible things happening for the wild turkey. They they should have just gotten a boatload of money from license sales last year. You're right, and I want to... I'm just going to go ahead and jump into the favor of the week, even though, you know, it's way ahead of time because we're still talking about the interview with Dave, but it's very much related to the interview with Dave. And the favor of the week is, it's not even a favor, it's a challenge. The challenge is for every one turkey that you guys take this spring, trap five nest predators off of the land that you killed that turkey on. That's great. I wish that would become like a, a thing, honestly. And if everybody would do that, now obviously, you know, if you drive to Maine from Alabama and kill a turkey, you're not going to be able to go trap predators from there. But It's going to be harder, no doubt. Yeah, maybe take out, you know, hey, I killed five turkeys this spring, you know, I'm going to try to catch 30, 20 raccoons, you know, put some multiple on it. However many turkeys I kill, I'm going to catch three times that many raccoons. You know, if you did that, or nest predators, I'll say. I guess I'm just using the raccoon as the scapegoat. But if you did that and you set your mind to it now, then you kind of have a little goal in mind of when you kill a turkey, you know, that means three more coons or possums. I think that would be a really good thing to get behind. And, you know, the timing of that's important because not all states' trapping seasons coincide with turkey season. And so if your state has a trapping season that goes out the end of February, well, you got to pay it forward. And the way I look at it is you've got about nine or 10 days. Yep. And so you can have you some dog-proof coon traps from Amazon in a couple of days. And hey, I, I'll be dead serious. If you buy five dog-proof coon traps, there is no reason why you can't trap 20 raccoons in the next 10 days yeah, or, no, or just nest predators, period. Yeah, I agree. I think I think what I'm going to do is whatever number of turkeys I kill this year, if it's greater than zero, which I hope it is. It already try is. To, that's true. I'm already at one. Never mind. <laughs> if it's greater than one. <laughs> I forgot about that. He's right in the back right now. But whatever number of turkeys I kill, I think I'm going to do a, a times three and you know, even in other states and stuff, but I'm just going to take that many nest predators. That's going to be my quota for Tennessee before next spring season starts. So if I kill 10 turkeys total for the year, I'm going to try to catch 30 raccoons before spring 2022. Well, I'm working on them right now. Not right this second, but I've already started working on them and I'm going to continue. I'm paying it forward and I hope that I trap a hundred of them and you know kill however many turkeys i kill if it's 10x trapping nest predators to turkeys killed i'll be tickled but you know i'm i'm gonna work on them pretty pretty hard throughout the season and the other thing too is right now being middle of february it gets people out in the woods to listen 
and to scout. So yeah. if you're running a, a nest predator trap line where you're going to be hunting, you're going to be in the woods that the turkeys that you're going to be hunting are living in. So you're going to kind of see where they're going to be when season starts up for you and you're ahead of the game already. So it's a, a multi-purpose thing and, you know, I think we can get some good traction and some good experience out of it. And man, trapping is just fun. So yeah, go have some fun, take your kids out, trap some nest predators and let's save some baby turkeys. I'm in on that. I'm in. I All hope right. we can save a bunch of them, so... That's a good favor of the week for sure. No, it's a challenge of the week, Cameron. Challenge Come on, of man. the week. Yeah, challenge of the week. Well, good deal. Well, I'm going to let you get driving because I know there's nothing more that you would <laughs> rather do than drive through. And it is a great state, the great state of Kansas, which when you're driving west to east or east to west through Kansas, yeah. I'm sorry, people who live in Kansas. It's brutal. It is brutal brutal it really is it's a great place to stop and visit yeah no i love kansas every part of it other than driving through it i'd say i've driven halfway through it a bunch of times this will be my first time driving the entire Mm. west to east coast of kansas (laughs) it's it's terrible (laughs) it is it is sweet nothingness and flatness but why don't you stop and find us about three or four places to hunt we need turkeys and for the spring and deer for the fall and uh what the heck let's just throw in some pheasants too so find us a couple of ranches to hunt and then you just drop some pins on them and let's get back we'll see we got to see a tree first i would think to find turkeys but <laughs> if i ever find one of those i'll look around and see if i see something next to it oh good luck man well you guys travel safely and you know when you start nodding off holler at me will do and Look forward right. to sharing our Utah experience with you listeners next week on the podcast. I think we'll try to throw that in there and let you know how our winter turkey hunt turned out. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to that. It was a great trip, and I'm looking forward to sharing it. Yeah, we'll wrap us up. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.